0: Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOOnline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at ko-online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is not only a martial artist and author, but a Florida-licensed acupuncture physician, doctor of oriental medicine, as well as a fully trained Chinese herbalist. He's also known as a master dit De Jiao Brewer, which are transdermal herbal liniments used for pain and recovery. He's the owner of Praying Mantras Acupuncture and Herbal Medicine. Please welcome Dr. Dale Dugas. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing good. Wonderful to be here.
0: Hey, I appreciate your time and, and I, I'm looking forward to, to learning more about you.
1: Well, uh, Brian, let me get let, let me uh, let me start by giving a little more int- you know introduction about myself. Okay. I'm born born and raised in Massachusetts, Hanover, Massachusetts. It's a small little sleepy town. Well, not so much anymore. But when I was born there, it was a small little sleepy town halfway between Boston, you know, Boston, Mass, and the Cape, Cape Cod. People say, "Well, you don't sound like you're from you know Massachusetts." And yeah, I can park the con a ja and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> certain words, chowda, not chowder, chowda be anyway, yeah, I I have a New England accent for various words and things, but born and raised there and, you know, went to school in Indiana and then started migrating over to Asia that I spent a time there, came back. Now I've been in Florida here since 2013, but, a wonderful life I think I've led and I've done some really interesting things with martial arts with medicine Cool, and I've met wonderful teachers and you know wonderful training brothers and sisters all over the world I'm, I'm blessed I'm total, I'm truly blessed an honor to be here an honor to always talk with another martial artist because it's great to you know hear other people's stories and to learn about them and how they train and their teachers because back in the day we were told don't talk to anybody don't train with anybody else we, if we find out they're going to blacklist you it was craziness you know yeah. and now with the internet and the technology, we can we can all get on a Zoom call or we can all do this kind of thing. We can have a you know an audio kind of podcast where you have different people come in. Yeah. And talk about whatever. It's, it's the technology is great, dude. The, the sharing of information is so much better than when, when I was a kid. Yeah.
0: And I'm lucky I only had one, one instructor ever who tried to forbid me from studying other martial arts, which was hilarious.
1: And did you try to figure out why? Because I always would think, you know, of course, hindsight's 20 20. I didn't do it then. I was like, well, you're an ass. And I left thinking, well, that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of an ass behavior because I knew that this person had trained with this teacher. So wait a minute. You're telling me that it's okay for you to train with them, but not me. Yeah. yeah good for thee not for me hey wait a minute I don't like that kind of yeah of I didn't
0: way. I didn't care I didn't respect him enough yeah. to care I, I was with him right, less right. less than two years I tell everyone that he was my John crease <laughs> you, you see you, you get it <laughs> most people get that reference and it, he <laughs> he legit was my John crease that's really? all we, all really? we cared about was competition forced me to enter tournament just a uh, didn't, the didn't care about the safety of a student so yeah it's Oof. did not last long it almost drove me to the point where I hated martial arts.
1: They're, dude, they're, you yeah. know, again, everybody has a crease, yep. right? Sometimes, sometimes not. Exactly. Sometimes not. You Some
0: know? People get lucky, but so what? I want to do with you, though. I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know where that first interest, that first spark, came from. Oh dear that Lord! Kinda...
1: So here we are. Here we are. Growing up, you know, I'm an idiot kid. I've got two brothers. I'm a middle kid. Okay. You know, my mom and my dad, George and Nancy. You know, Dad works for Boston Gas. Uh, he, he was a jet mechanic in the Marines. You know. Blue collar dude, blue collar family. Here I am this little put town and all of a sudden, one of my friends, a guy named Patrick Thomas, you know, we're still friends. He said, Hey, we're going to have the karate school. There's a new karate school in town. We're going to have a demonstration at the mall on Saturday. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? Cause, you know, karate schools in my little hometown in the middle of Massachusetts, like, dude, this wasn't the town's about 10,000 people. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little tiny town. I mean, of course it's bigger now. But it was a tiny little sleepy town. You're like, this wasn't Boston. This wasn't like, you know, a major Quincy. You know, we had bigger cities where that's where the martial arts schools were. Yeah. Why would they be in this little sleepy town full of like horse farms and, you know, uh, they had a lot of like, people grew a lot of corn. So horses and corn, you know, there, there was a lot of farming in my home, you know, town growing up, 4-H, all that kind of stuff, animals. Anyway, so again, went to the demo and I saw all the people wearing the white pajamas, <laughs> jumping around, getting kicked in the jimmies, getting kicked, oh my God it was like a james bond movie like oh what i want to do that yeah what i want to wear the white pajamas and jump through the air and i want somebody to kick me in the ding ding what yep <laughs> yep i was convinced i had I, I had to have that that you know i i but Two years before, parents were kind of strict with the TV, didn't let us watch a lot of stuff. We get mm-hmm. to watch like Jeopardy, PBS. But then on Sundays, they turn it on. We watch Lawrence Welk and Disney. Yeah, I swear to God, bro. Mutual, Belmaz, Wild Kingdom. <laughs> you can look up these old shows. I've seen them. That was like on ABC. Now, on CBS, they had Kung Fu with David Carradine, bro. When I was a kid growing up. Nice. And I had to beg and plead, oh my God, I had to do all these crazy chores. I was crying. I wanted to watch Kung Fu on TV. And they let me. But my mother was really not into the whole violence thing, did you? really isn't now of course she thinks it's funny because you know she here i am teaching people and and where i've gone but at the time she did you know she was like ah you know why do you want to beat people up you know she didn't understand right and so i didn't want to beat people up i just the cultural thing dude i mean man this is this is you're going to learn this stuff from an ancient monk that practiced this three thousand years ago in some temple somewhere and he he picked up a burning urn that that burned the image of a dragon and a tiger on him Mm -hmm. that's cool so as an eleven year old kid, you're just you're just fascinated by what it what is exotic. Yeah. So and it was Weichiru. It was an Okinawa and Weichiru school. And so I went, signed up and uh, they said, Well, you gotta come back, you gotta come back at seven. And I'm like, why? And they said, Oh, that's for the adults class. And I was like scratching my head because I was I was eleven, but I was six foot tall. And about 190 pounds. Yeah, dude, I was wow. I was a horrible asthmatic kid. Like yeah. I had horrible asthma, and they didn't have albuterol when I was a kid, dude. They had clenbuterol. That's what albuterol came from. It's a derivative. You know, they removed some of the uh, anabolic steroid actions and make it more of a corticosteroid. But we didn't have that as a kid, so I, I got clenbuterol. Dude, when I had an asthma attack, which was a lot. So yeah, well, by the time I was 12, I was six foot tall and you know 200 pounds. Wow. I had a beard. I had a beard at thirteen. I was, I was, um, you know, buying the high school kids and the college kids beer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway, just silly stuff we did back in the day before you know it got strict. Yeah. The, the drinking age was eighteen. It wasn't a big deal. We didn't do the silly stuff that people do now and, and harm people. Yeah. People would go someplace and party. But yeah, anyway. But uh, yeah, dude. So, you in a very traditional Okinawan school. Okay. You know, uh, and a lot of conditioning and a lot of you know very few forms, lots of drills. And my teacher, my first teacher was a was a guy named Gary Young, Sensei Gary Young. He was an ex cop. He got hurt on the job. He became a plumber, and uh, he taught us until one of his friends, one of his training partners, was a man named John Sullivan. And John, we call him Sully. He actually he passed away a few years ago. He he I think he was an eighth or a ninth guy. I'm not sure. Wow. But he he was ex you know ex military, ex police. So all my teachers were like ex police, ex military. A lot of these guys were Vietnam vets. You know, it just it was just the timing, bro. I, you know, I'm born in '67. So when I'm when I'm a teenager, these guys are you know they've been back from Vietnam for a few years, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have been training. A lot of them trained wai chi because wai is really practical, dude. Weichi, chi in, in Okinawa, wai chi they call it the crazy karate, the kichi guy karate in <laughs> Japanese nice. because of the training. You know, we just we take a lot of abuse compared to other other systems. Wow. You know, people go, "What do you mean?" And I go, "Well, we we kick each other a lot, punch each other a lot on the outside, the inside of our legs and arms and." We do a lot of what we call Pai dagong in, in the kung fu arts, where you're where you're taking your body or your you're taking tools. So my first day, they said, okay, hold your hand out. You know, you hold your arms out, and they started slapping on top and on on the bottom of my arms. <laughs> And so the students would do this flapping motion like a crane, like whap whap. So they'd hit you with the top part of their hand, whap, mm-hmm. as they come up, and then they'd hit you with their palm, boom, on the way down, and they go whap 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 whap. So they're flapping and they're whacking and slapping, and so it's not that bad. But then since they'd go speed it up, and they'd speed it up, and, and you get slapped really fast, you're like ooh ooh, <laughs> it's it's a little tingly, right? Yeah. So that's how I started my my body conditioning was as a 11 year old kid in a weichi school, you know, and so progressive training mm-hmm. you know you start one play and okay you add a little bit more add a little bit more you know so by the time i'm a, I'm a green or brown belt you whack me your slap me, i don't give two craps yeah. <laughs> i'm not even gonna blink but i hit you you're gonna fall down and cry for your mom right oh yeah dude we used to get thrown out of tournaments because we would go through people like we train you know when we started sparring we really you know we really block we really kick punch and if you didn't block you you know you ate the technique because the other person's really doing it not to try to hurt you but you know they're, they're throwing it at you yeah so we go to tournaments and, dude, everybody else would, like, they pull their punches or half block or not block at all, drop their hands. And I just thought, you drop your hands, I'm going to punch you or kick you in the face. Boom. And, oh, you get disqualified. Why? You're not supposed to draw blood. You know, you punch somebody in the face. But when you pop somebody in the face really fast, when there's no block, you're like, ooh, wow, crap. So we, um, I think I was around a brown, brown belt level, and then the Weichi people in the area. We we all got together with other uh, like Goju people, Shorin Ryu people, all the Okinawan people, because we get kicked out of tournaments all the time for excessive contact, yeah. which in our schools wasn't excessive, right? But dude, a little bit of blood—that's nothing. What, dude, you're going at it, and all you got is a little line of blood coming out of your face. No, that's nothing. You got a black eye. Ooh, did your eyeball come out? No. <laughs> you know, so dude, I mean, I've broken my nose. I mean, holy crap. Always with women, too. Oh, dude, women have horrible spatial awareness. Now, this isn't a slight against women or anything. I'm not a I'm not a misogynist, but it's, they've done studies where women have less spatial distancing. I can say, yep, that, I, I found that out to be a fact. Like, dude, I've, I've always been punched or kicked in the face by my training partners who were women. <laughs> and they weren't trying to be mean. They were just like, oops, sorry. And I'm like, I think you have trouble gauging distance. And they, they usually go, yeah, it's a little bit of a thing, you know, where guys, you know, we're, we're used to throwing spears at, you know, elephants back in the day, you know. Saber two tigers, hey! So we had to have that that spatial awareness, that distancing ability, much more than a woman. Of course, oh, you're a Nazi, yeah. Of course, you're, you're probably going to get hateful comments on that. I'm like, no, no, it's not what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> Think back to maybe like your your first one to three classes. You know, you had oh my you would you had you had been thinking, you had been wanting to do this for a couple of years. You finally saw the demonstration. You joined. Once you got in, what was it about it that really drew you in and made you want to keep going?
1: The whole when you watch okay, so it was watching everybody line up and perform in unison. So that synchronization always just something about it would just be like, wow, that fluid. The, the movement. It doesn't matter the movement. I mean, when you see people doing something together and it's smooth, but it's not just smooth because it's smooth and then there's a little bit of sound because the uniforms when you when you punch and kick. The the Okinawan people wear the heavy duty canvas uniforms, and they usually pop, yep. pop, pop. You know, usually the kung fu uniforms don't. Korean uniforms, very similar to Japanese, they they pop too. Yep. It all depends on is it a is it a high con uniform and do you iron it really well? Pop, pop. So it, the sound effects. So it was just hearing. You know, you're seeing, you're hearing, and again, dude. We're... Didn't grow up in a parochial school system, so I didn't have a uniform. Mm-hmm. So, so watching people belong to the club and get to wear the uniform—you didn't just get the uniform; you had to earn it. Right? Like you didn't wear a gi for the first few classes. You didn't even have a belt until you got the gi. So you know, you're just wearing sweatpants and a, and a t-shirt, and you feel really out of place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the thing is they're testing you to see if you're gonna. Like some kids are like, "When can I have my uniform?" And they're like, ah, "You're not." You know, they, they were very selective, actually. You know, okay. but yeah, the first three questions, it was just watching everybody move, dude. And then they're kicking bags and then they're like hitting each other. And I'm like, Oh my god, I want to do this. That's cool. Hit me, kick me, you know, hold the bag for me, that kind of stuff. Oh, I'll hold the bag too. You know, because you're learning to, you know, it's not just your training, you're 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 sharing the training with your with your you know, training brothers and sisters. Yeah. And that was cool. Just the whole, you know, again, when you're just a single kid and all of a sudden you get to be in a big group of people. It was pretty cool yeah. for social. This is before the internet. People understand this is before internet, cell phones, any of that stuff. Right. We had to create our, our fun, nice. you know, we didn't have a social platform to go on to play games with each other. We had to go make, play the games with each other, and go outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right.
0: Oh yeah. You mentioned tournaments. What drew you to the competition side of the, Or was that something, and I've talked to a few people in, in some schools where they didn't have a choice. So is this well, something you had a choice? I mean, and if so, it what? it
1: wasn't like, it, I mean, they didn't ram it down our throats, Okay. But, I was going to tournaments before. Is just supporting my friends because in Boston, there I didn't grow up in Boston. You know, I grew up south, but not that far away. You couldn't get there. Yeah, and there was a lot of what they call Wallum Gung Fu. Wallum Gong Fu is a is a mantis system, Shandong mantis. So you know, it's more of a of a, of a northern mantis or it's what they call Seven Star instead of southern mantis. I train a southern mantis, different system, right? Different forms, ugly forms. The Seven Star stuff, I call it pretty, even though it's not pretty. It's pretty compared to my menace. My menace is like all about, you know, whapping people upside the head with something really pointy. Right, And I don't mean a weapon. I mean, a we- it's your knuckles. Yeah, And people are like, right? yeah, man, there are some systems that they train their hands. Try to just do. And we had Makiwara. We had, you know, all that. So yeah, watching, I, I, mean, I remember watching a student kicking and punching a Makiwara post. Boom, boom. And it shook the whole wall, dude. I'm like, oh. and then they had the weapons on the wall. And, you know, it was just, I knew I was like, I'm supposed to be here. Right. You know, like a duck to water. Like, I, I want to be here.
0: How long did you stay at that school?
1: Oh, God. Until I was uh, 17. Oh, so wow. that was like six, seven years. Yeah. And then unfortunately, we, I had a little falling out with my teacher. My training partner killed himself, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Wow. He, uh, he committed suicide. We don't know why. And. It caused a big rift and then, you know, my teacher then did what most, that happens to a lot of people where all of a sudden you have an instructor, he tells you it's his way or the highway or her or her, or her way or the highway. And this guy read me the ride, X saying, oh, you're training with other people, you know, yada, yada, yada. And look, your training partner's dead now. And I was like, oh, you're going to be a dick about this. Oh, okay. And wow. he and I had a had a bad falling out and I never went back.
0: Now, did you attain your black belt from him?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I had my show done, you know, this is this is a little bit after that. And then okay. I left.
0: So did you get involved in the teaching side of things while you were at the way a
1: little bit, but not not as much as, okay. you know, like in most of our dojos, the teachers like they didn't sit on their asses and let the lower belts teach. They taught. OK, and they trained. So they, that was my school. I've never had a teacher sit in a chair and direct or have a brown belt teach a class. Never. OK. You would get called up to, to to like lead the warm-ups, but that was different. Yeah. You know, and then you're getting you're getting judged. Well, they're watching you move, they're watching you teach, they're watching you listen. you understand the material? They don't let beginners do this. It's it's like been there for a few months, you know, you got a, a couple of striders on your belt, you know, six months to a year. Dude, we didn't get fast ranked back then. I mean, you look back, you're like, Yeah, it took four or five years to get your show done. People are like one, I'm like, Yeah, not two years, bro, not a year. <laughs> like four, you know, and you're talking like two, three, four times a week. Still took four or five years. People are like really? I'm like, yeah, dude. It was just we trained hard. It was it's not quantity. It's always quality in our school. Yeah. I think most schools are like that, you know, until the McDojo and the big the big came in, you know. That was in the nineties into the two thousands. I mean, this is late seventies, bro. Okay. You know, so it was different.
0: So, what was next then after you after you parted ways with that instructor? What was next
1: well? I had started training and stuff. So, you know, I got into hangar training with a Hungar teacher who's no nice. longer with us. And then in Yan Lee, uh, okay. you know, God bless his soul, you know, R.I.P. And he he had degrees from MIT, so he was showing me kung fu and how why you hold these stances and give you a physical. When I say physical, I mean physical science. He gave a physics definition of why you do things not a chi or a mystical mumbo-jumbo fairy power. You know, he he didn't get any of that crap. Okay. And he was a Tai Chi master as well. So he, he explained everything through a physics definition. And it was wonderful because that's what I've always been interested in. It's like, not the mystical side. The mystical side's cool, but we forget that there's a physicality and you know, and, and people kind of uh, forget about it. They think about magical powers when they shouldn't be. Huh. Right. It's like, no, there's no magical powers. You're not going to point a finger at me and my face and that's going to melt off. That's only in the movies. Only in the comic books. Yep, yep. <laughs> but there's no buts, okay? Except the movies. Trust me. I've been all around the world. You think I haven't tried to find somebody who could teach me how to point the finger at somebody and melt them? Jeez. <laughs> I'd be first in line. You want a kidney? Here's a kidney. You want my testicles? Here are my testicles. Are you kidding me? To you have that power? Yeah, too. <laughs> And I've actually had people. This is, you know, a little no, side me. note, but I've had people over the years contact me saying, "You know, everybody, you know, everybody that's involved in these things, you know, martial arts, yada yada." I said, "Well, not everybody, but I have great, you know, connections. I've got some great friends." Yeah, why? I want you to find me a Taoist master who can teach me to levitate. <laughs> what? I will give you ten thousand dollars in gold if you find me a Taoist master who can teach me to fly. And I'm like, uh, bro, keep your gold. I don't know. Any, I don't know. Anybody. Dude, do you think I wouldn't be. Have you ever see me fly? Cause you know, if I ever met the guy, I'd be flying, bro. <laughs> wow. I wish. <laughs> and not he, and not just one, like I've been probably three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Four people have asked me to like for high level Taoist, crazy, non realistic training. You know, I want the rainbow body. I want to be able to open up portals into other dimensions. What? You know, they read it in the book. And I'm like, okay, that's a book. Like, what do you mean? it's a book it's not real like people think the 72 arts of shaolin is real yeah some of it is and some of it is made up horse crap that would get you harmed. like banging your head on anything hard to train your head going yeah don't do that don't bang in your head <laughs> muhammad ali will tell you that's a bad thing and you know uh what's his name there oh god the actor who's got Parkinson's. Uh,
0: Michael J. Fox.
1: Back Michael to the Future. back, Yeah, Michael J. Fox. So he, he, he played a lot of hockey as a kid, dude. A lot of hit and bang in your head. And again, Muhammad Ali's a boxer getting hit in the head, hit in the head. Football players get hit in the head. Hockey players. Who doesn't get hit in the head a lot? Baseball players. Unless you get thrown at. <laughs> yeah. Basketball, yeah, you get elbowed in the head or head butted. You know, you get a ball in the head. But it's it's rare compared to banging your heads, which other sports do. Right. You know, so you got to watch that head. Protect the head.
0: So now w- when you were starting to train other styles, was it just one or were you branching out into multiple at
1: that time? Well, again, at the time, it was still, there was no internet, dude. So you, know, yeah. you had to go find these people. You had to ask them. Some of these people were like, uh, go away. <laughs> so Jan was a very approachable man. I, I found out that one of my teachers with him. i approached him, He goes, of course you can come train with. And he had a very big smile on his face. And I didn't know why. I'm going to tell you why. We went out to the hall, big wide open room, concrete floor. And he, he opens his legs, you know, into a wide stance a horse dance and he made me sit there for about an hour nice. and uh my legs were shaking after about 10 minutes so holding a horse dance having rubber legs oh my dude that was how they tested you i went to different teachers around the world and they would do the same thing they would make you hold that stance for like an hour yep and some of them said if you fall on the ground no deal some of them said if you fall on the ground i'm gonna kick the ever-loving snot out of you and i'm like okay and that kind of gave me impetus to not fall down why I didn't want this teacher to kick the crap out of me. People are like, wow. I'm like, yeah, dude, my teachers were ex-military. Again, my teachers were not the nicest people. Mm-hmm. And my Kung Fu teachers, dude, these people were, uh, I was the only white person in the school. And not like, you know, oh, yeah, you, you, you know, you're going to tell me some racist. No, I can tell you stuff like that. But every now and then, you know, the teacher would go in another room and the kids would come over and punch you, kick you. You know, hey, cracker, why don't you leave? And you're like, oh, God, here we go. Because I'm invading in their territory, dude. I'm the outsider. It's okay. After, you know, a few pokes, punches, pokes, twirl, whatever, they figure it out. They like, oh, got you're cool. Hey, thanks. You know, and now they're friends and now they run the schools and, you know, run other things, you know, right. But I have a lot of associations, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. That's funny. You know, training in Chinese martial arts. Yeah. And then this is the end of high school for me. So then I, I went off to Indiana to go to school mm-hmm. and here I am at, at school, a young buddy martial artist in, in, you know, Richmond, Indiana. Yeah. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. I don't, lots of Taekwondo. Wasn't interested. And there was a Sanyo plant in Richmond, and I was a Japanese major, and they, uh, Sanyo's a Japanese company, and they had actually Japanese nationals living there, working. They had a teacher of Shorinji Kempo. Shorinji is kind of funny. Translation is Shaolin Kung Fu, mm-hmm. but it's not Shaolin Kung Fu. It <laughs> is uh, it is more like Hakoryu Jiu-Jitsu. It's more like Daito. It's really nasty, kind of combat Jiu-Jitsu with, with karate mixed in. Okay, Not really Kung Fu, but combat, you know, martial arts, and they teach it in a way it's actually pretty effective and the training is brutal and then we train on you know like wooden floors there's no mats mm-hmm. so you're training all your cam and your break falls on wood nice so this is in indiana this guy was about five two and dude he used to lock me up and throw me he used to dump me like there's no tomorrow and he'd laugh <laughs> he's like you don't get it he goes my, my center of mass is under yours i'm always going to throw you faster than you can rely you know you can recover He goes. You have to do something different when you're dealing with little people. So I would have to make sure they didn't get under me or in. I'd have to like you know keep them at bay. So I'd have to you know throw my arms and legs out at them to you know keep them away. Because if they got in, they could just bend me over and I'm I'm screwed because they're lower to the ground than I am. Right. So their their fulcrum is lower. That you know it's a lever. I'm going to go. Whoa. (laughs) Oops. People understand that. Like what? Yeah. You have to understand these things. Now we know you need to learn grappling of some sort. Why you need to learn to roll around on the ground. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to fall. You need to learn to punch, kick, you know, and then if you want to, you can learn weapons. That's kind of the advanced stuff, really. Right. You, you got to put those white pajamas on. You got to put those black pajamas on.
0: How long did you uh, train with them then in Indiana?
1: Well, in Indiana for four years, of course. Okay. You know, and then, then I, you know, my junior year abroad, I was, in, you know, I was in Japan and I, I trained Shodin Shikambo when I was there for my, for my year. Nice. You know, I trained Aikido, you know, I trained everything, you know, Aikido. And then I graduated in 89, moved back to Japan, and lived there for a period of time. And then when I was living there, I trained in mostly Aikido, daito Daito Ryu, Aikijutsu. They had a local Budokan, you know, so they had some like Shito-Do, you know, people, Kyokishinkai people. Right. Shotokan teacher and I, we didn't have a good relationship. He didn't he he didn't like foreigners. <laughs> and he, he most especially didn't like me teaching Okinawan karate at the Budokan. Yeah, so I, we had a couple of run-ins, me and this guy. <laughs> He, he thought he was better than he was and you know, he got his call he got his clock cleaned a few times that was pretty funny that's 87 so then I come back i come back and he's still there oh dear lord now nah, i'm living here I can't get away from him so mm-hmm. yeah we had another um shall we say sparring match and he didn't win that one either and uh then a few of his students jumped in and they they they, they uh they took the, the wooden floor temperature challenge too I, again uh equal rights equal lefts equal kicks you know equal throws Hey, i'm, I'm all i'm all about it mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care who jumps in the ring. it's all good but don't yell or cry when you, you know, when I break you.
0: <laughs> so how long did you live in Japan for?
1: Oh, dear God! lot. All together, uh, almost six years. Okay, cool.
0: When you were going there, what were you pretty much training
1: martial arts full time? Or were you working on no, something else? No, I mean, else? I was working. I was working, dude. So I was working for the Board of Education. I okay. had a job. And so, you know, I went around and, and I had classes at like local junior high ed classes during the week. I taught at um, Japanese university because, you know, I I I could, I'm fluent. I was fluent in Japanese when I went over. Okay. You know, it was my minor. I, you know, I minored in Chinese and Japanese, uh, got a BA in Japanese studies. And so taught at like a like a junior college. We, we call it a community college. They call them junior colleges over there. And that was fun, you know, and, and teaching in Japanese because they're like, I can teach you why we say things and I can explain it to you in Japanese. And then you're going to learn better. Why? Because I explained it to you in, in a way that you're going to understand because I speak Japanese like you did. My teachers were not, you know, foreigners. They were Japanese natives. Right. So everybody's like, man, your Japanese is really good. I'm like, it better be, you know, I had it, from, you know, many hours a day, every day for four years. Yeah. And then lived there for a year, you know, and then lived there for a whole, you know, for, for another period you know, so, oh yeah, bro. Okay. And everybody's like, why'd you come back? I'm like, well, I got lonely. You know, I, I everybody's like, why didn't you have a Japanese wife? I'm like, well, I'm dark, I'm hairy, I'm tattooed and <laughs> I speak Japanese very well. So the Japanese women were like, who's Japanese, your mom or your dad? <laughs> and they, they they thought it was half Japanese, and when you're when you're half Japanese and anything, they consider you like a, uh, and they don't look at you on a, in a good way. They kind of right. look at you like a mud, like you know you're 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 a mud blood kind of thing. Yeah. And plus, I was young, dude. I'm in my twenties, so I didn't want to get married at, at that age. Right. So if I'm not going to marry these girls, they're not going to date me because if they date me and I don't marry her, then this poor girl's going to be a pariah. You know, they're going to be like, oh, you dated the white guy. They not nobody's going to touch you. And people said, they really do that? I'm like, yep, they really do that still. Yep. Yeah. Welcome to the world.
0: Where'd you end up when you came back?
1: Well, I came back, you know, to Massachusetts, went to acupuncture school, okay. uh, you know, and then started working, teaching, training with different people. I got involved with, um, oh God, who, who did I start training when I came back? started training with, um, with I met Guan Sai Hong, you know, the wandering Taoist that, uh, you know, Den Men, uh, what's his name? Den Men Ding, Den Men Tao. Anyway. He, he trained with, with, with Wong Sai Hong Sifu, and a really interesting guy, really interesting character. You know, learned some really interesting Qigong and things. Started getting more into the push hands and, you know, into more application. I started training different workshops, you know. I, I was considered like a ringer. They'd always, my friends would bring me in, because I'm big, I'm six foot tall, 300 pounds. yep They would always bring me into these workshops to say, you know, do it on this guy. They'd all point to me. And half the time, the master would be like, oh, you know, looking really nervous. And the other half, the master's looking like he wants to eat me. Oh, uh-oh, trap. <laughs> and i've woken up in the have woken up in the hospital a couple of times with these people looking at me going man you got balls kid you got no brains but you got balls and i'm like thank you for not killing me <laughs> thank you you know cuz dude they could have they could have easily taken me out they were they were the real deal and i went at them but you know the other people of course you went at them and we walked through them like they weren't even there you know it's like oh man you know again this is before the internet right you know this is when, when you, you you weren't on the <laughs> phone calling people talking to people like this it would cost you a lot of money back then
0: Unless it was after 9 o'clock.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I mean, people don't understand yet, but what? Oh, yeah. Like Back when we were young, holy Lord, and, and living in Japan, like, if you called me, just me picking up the phone talking to you cost me money. Yeah. But almost the same as if I called you. And I go, how'd you figure that out? And my friend called me. I talked to her, like, for an hour, like an old girlfriend. And I got a phone bill for, like, 400 bucks. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> wow. Jesus. So I'm like, yeah, don't call me. Write me. And so I, you know, back in the day, we used to write letters all the time. Mm. Now you can you know text through an app you know you can email. I mean we didn't have any of that when I was in college in the eighties. Bro, oh my god, we had uh, the the VAX system was our first system. that had magnetic tape. Nice. There were no discs. The disc came out my sophomore year. The big floppy ones. Yeah. And then my junior year, junior year into senior year, because uh, I was in Japan. But in Japan they had the, they had the. Oh God, the little discs, you know, like, I don't know, like three by three, you know, three and a half inch floppies. Yeah. 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 So they weren't floppies. They were plastic. They were hard, but you know, they, they were that, they shrunk the big floppies down to that little, the little one. It was before the CD and and the DVD. Yep. It was that. And then they got thicker. So it was like, Oh, they have these like, you know, thin ones that have so much on them. And then they have these like inch and a half thick ones that have like, it was stupid. It was like maybe half a, half a gig or something you know, back then, which was crazy. Now, of course, you know, these little tiny SD cards have like, you know, 100 gigs on them yep. or a terabyte. I mean, there's going to be ones that are going to be a terabyte soon. It's like, holy Lord, they're just learning again, the technology, which is funny because in martial arts, we train these antique ways of moving and antique ways of dealing with violence, but we're preserving these antique ways through modern technology. Like we're doing right now, we're talking on the phone, using an app. That's kind of cool. You know, people are like, really? I'm like, yeah, you think about it. It's like, how did you know, you know, how did you talk with your teacher? You usually send them letters. I mean, or you call them. Imagine calling Okinawa or China. I can only imagine if you don't speak the language, you're going to have to get somebody that does. Yeah. So after, you know, after college, living in Japan, coming back here, you know, becoming an acupuncturist. Now I've trained with different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I trained with Dr. John Painter for a while. He was really good. And then I got out of acupuncture school and then, uh, you know, I stopped teaching for him and, uh, gave the school to my senior student. And then I went and I'd always been training with a guy named Roger Haygood, Siva Roger Haygood. He's a, he's a Hakamantis teacher. Very good. Okay. People say, if you ever want to learn Southern Mantis, you go find, you go find Roger Haygood. you go, go find Siva Roger Haygood. He's got the goods, nice. you know? And then I'd just been teaching small groups, you know, one-on-ones, private lessons. I'm not into the big schools. You know, I go to tournaments, you know, and meet my friends and, you know, other things, but I just never got into the, plus the money, you know how much money it is for a brick and mortar school. Yeah. Not cheap Uh, here in Florida. I mean, most of the time they want like a year or two's rent up front because of all the fraud. And so then with a build out, you're talking like a half a million to a million dollars. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But if you're a big karate chain, of course, you know, you get that kind of money.
0: So did you end up in Florida next then?
1: Well, Living in Massachusetts, you know, living, practicing. I got married. I, I met a woman. Uh, she had a black belt. Was a gym rat. Oh my god! Fell in love. Got married. Nice. We moved down here in 2013, and then uh, we got divorced in 2018. Amicable. Things yeah. didn't work out. Hey, whatever. Uh, wished her well. We don't talk anymore. But you know, there's no animosity. Right. And then I moved up to Port Richie. Was working for. Uh, was working for somebody up there. And then you know, now I'm working for myself. You know, I live here in Sarasota. You know, again, teaching, training. Mm-hmm. treating doing doing what i can
0: think back to the very first time you you taught whether it was yes whether it was fully teaching a class or just running warm-ups whatever think about that to now what do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over the years
1: oh dear lord now i didn't know anything back when i first started teaching <laughs> when i was showing other people I, I thought i knew i don't i didn't know anything now of course Having training in different systems for so many years and understanding, the you know, kinesiology better, biology better, you know, movement. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know anything. People think you get a black belt. Oh, yeah, now you're a master. Oh, please don't say that word. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Dr. John Painter, he said, you know, the only masters are, are people that are dead. and they, they have no chance to train their art. If you have a chance to train your art, you're not a master, you're a perpetual student. Other people are supposed to call you that. You don't call yourself anything, you know, you're not supposed to call yourself sensei or sifu or, so it's funny over here, these, these cultural appropriated terms get misused all the time and it's kind of funny, but hey, whatever, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, we're not in Asia. I understand. I try not to be the martial art police until we get into, like, fakery and fraud, you know, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. I, know, yeah. I think the word is, it's misused, like a lot of words in our in our culture right now, you yeah. know, due to various people just misusing them, thinking, if I use this more, it'll mean it more. No. Yeah. It, it kind of takes away from the meaning and the, and the power of the word. So, yeah, and then, of course, you know, Kyoshi, you know, oh, Hanshi, uh, yeah. you know, Jungshi, you get the Chinese version, Jungshi. You know, family master, familiar.
0: So, what led to you doing, starting to do? It looks like you on your website, you have like a, training DVDs and a, and a book and stuff. So, what kind of led to that?
1: Well, I've always had a fascination with herbs and with, with um, you know, Ditta, what we call Ditta ku, you know, or we call, you know, Teisha or Teisha, Teisha Gong. You're talking iron skills training, you're talking the developing of your body, forging conditioning. Uh, creating powerful anatomical weapons so that in times of crisis you can do damage to another human being, and when they hit you, they're going to do less damage to you and more damage to themselves. So yeah. I was fascinated, dude, like watching you know monks break you know break bricks, just mm-hmm. brick breaking, board breaking, you know, kicking bats. I was kicking bats by the time I got out of my Weichi school. You know, we, we used to kick you know Louisville sluggers with our shins and break them, and people would just be like, what the, And you know, it's, it's nothing, dude, it's yep. to me. I worked as a bouncer, you know, but that's, that's, I got to experience a crucible of martial art experience that most people never get. I got to use them for real, you know, and against people that were trying to harm me. And I found out very quickly that some of the stuff my teachers taught me didn't work because they never got into a fight. And I had to figure it out on my own a little bit here and there. A little bit, not too much, but you just change some of the stuff you're learning, and you're like, oh, yeah, holy crap. Very interesting. It's very interesting, you know. And I tell people I wouldn't want most people to do it. Why? It's really nasty. You really want to learn to fight because it's, it's not fun. And I've got a lot of friends now who are crippled. You know, I, I treat I treat these people and dude, now they're in their late thirties, forties. Some of these fighters, MMA fighters, and their bodies are wrecked. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, boxers, you know, their bodies get wrecked. You know, wrestlers, you know, Olympic wrestlers who, who wrestle, they, they get wrecked. It's just, you know, you only got so many miles on the body and that starts to decompose and break down. You got to be careful or you're going to have trouble. You know, I'm lucky. I don't have that many a- injuries, but I got a few. Yeah. You know, I got a bum right knee. Why? Yeah, dude, getting kicked, getting broken, you know, smashed. Yeah. I limp around, I gimp around, but I'm still limping and gimping. I'm not in a wheelchair and I'm not, you know, like honey boo boo size. You know, you know, nope.
0: What can someone expect then if they, if they get your book
1: or your DVD or what? Well, again, if you're interested in finding out how to progressively train your body and train your hands, so a lot of people say, oh, it's, it, you know, that brick breaking stuff's hooey. No. Yeah. yeah, yes and no. If you really train your hands, yeah, you can break a lot of bricks and coconuts, dude. You'd be surprised, but mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. It's about having something, a stronger arm, a stronger hand to use. It's a tool. In other words, you don't have to use it to hurt people. You can use, you can just have strong hands because you have strong hands. Right. And now you don't have to worry about your hands getting sore doing whatever you do during the day. So it's a strengthening program. It's a very specialized program to train the hands. But, well, okay, you don't just train the hands, you train your arms too, because what's attached to the hand? Your arm. So I wrote a book. Why? Because the books that were available due on the market were crap. They taught half the training or didn't didn't give you anything, gave you wrong medicine, no herbs. When you're banging on your body, you need recovery. You need to make sure you're not going to harm yourself. Right. And the Chinese figured out a lot of these things with these formulas where we make liniments. There's herbs you take internally as well. And you train your hands, and you so that you can do something without harming yourself.
0: Okay. Let's say someone does it; they they buy the book and they buy oh, all yeah. of the herbs and stuff like that. How long does it process before, like, someone would start seeing results?
1: You within three months, within oh. ninety days. Okay. You're gonna see. You're gonna see your hands get harder. Uh, why? It's we're talking about anatomical laws here: yeah. Wolf's Law, Davis's Law. When you put stress on tissue, when I say tissue, you're talking about osseous tissue. You're talking about muscle tissue, dermal tissue, okay? Bone, skin, muscle, tendon. Okay. When you put stress on these things, they get thicker, stronger, and healthier. These are laws. And they, they, they have other rules too. But what you're doing with iron palm training is you're doing progressive training by hitting something that's hard. You're giving your body resistance. And over time, that resistance is going to develop into a stronger, thicker, you know, durable hand. And then you you can take that hand and you can grab somebody with it because the training isn't just about breaking stuff. That training is going to make your whole hand stronger, your tendons thicker, the muscles thicker. So you have thicker muscles and tendons in your hand and probably in your lower arm too. So when you grab somebody, they're going to know it because there's training. We we have tools. You know, I, I have these copper balls. They're five pounds. And I sit there and twirl them all the time. And people pick them up and go, oh my God, these are heavy. And I go, pussy. <laughs> They're like, you know what? And I go, you heard me. Well, yeah, you're deaf, too. What? Nothing. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a wise-ass, bro. It's just I'm very quick. You know, my, I don't sit there and, and calculate and then give you this response. I'm just, you say something and boom, boom, it just comes out of my mouth sometimes. Nice. I'm the same way. I'm like, Jesus, that. where the hell did that come from? I'm like, I don't know, dude. It came out of my left brain. I don't know.
0: It drives my wife crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, yeah. It, my, you know, my wife's like, damn, you, you, you always have a comeback. I'm like, I don't know if I always do. It's just if you engage with me, I respond. So it's more of that. I'm responding to engagement. That's all.
0: So you You talked a little bit about like, you know, training MMA fighters and stuff. So overall, what are your thoughts on MMA in the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of?
1: Well, I've I've had, you know, I've had um, training in Shwajiao. Shwajiao is like Chinese judo. and It's a way of throwing somebody, throwing them, you know, and and dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of training. There's very little form. And then, dude, you're grabbing each other. It's like judo. You learn the, the mechanics of the movement and then you're doing it against somebody. So that kind of training is much more tactically uh, superior than, say, karate or kung fu, where you're doing these empty hand forms, and then you're doing drills after. So judo, jiu-jitsu, much more, uh, you know, I like that model better. Getting into it quicker if you can, that's always going to give you a better result. I mean, there's, there's basically, uh, I learned, the, it's, I'm going I'm to give you something that can be applied to anything, not just martial arts. Right. And it's the three questions. I got this from Dr. John Painter. He okay. taught this to us. Now, the three questions are, what is the material? That's the first question. The second question is, how do you train it? And the third question is, what is it for? How do you apply it? If you cannot answer all of those questions, you're wasting your time and it's not martial arts. Now, you could apply this to anything else. In other words, what is it? How do you do it? What's it for? And if you can't answer the questions and you don't really know what you're doing, whatever it is. It's a way of just accountability. Right. You know, it's like, look, I need to do these things and then I understand it versus I don't know anything about this and I'm just pretending I do. Which a lot you know, there's a lot of martial arts. Oh yeah, we're so deadly we don't do anything. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) You're so deadly, really? How about you get on demo? There there's a lot of people here in Florida who don't go to any randories or any scrimmages Mm -hmm. because they've claimed that oh, they're challenge fights. challenge fights? It's an open scrimmage to get on the mat with somebody and just play around with them play, uh, not challenge fight, what the hell, but certain frauds, dude, they're, oh, no, they're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to hurt me. Uh, you're the one who claims you got a seven-degree black belt in judo, bro, and you're not going to show up to any of any these judo scrimmages? Huh, okay. Just funny how, you know, these, these people, they claim all these high ranks and all these multiple skills, and they never show them, yeah. except on, a, on, on another fraud teacher in their system, or a little stick skinny kid or girl, one of their students. It's never a dynamic... You know, and it, it's funny. You can tell, like yeah. judo and you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu, BJJ, and judo. It's really hard to fraud. It's really hard to fake and fraud these guys. Why? Because they'll get you on the mat. And they'll sh- they'll make you. They'll everybody's going to know you don't know what you're doing real quick. Exactly. It's more easy in the karate kung fu. You can you know jump around to all these unarmed things because that's the majority of the training. But again, it's still it's about get on the mat. Can you apply it? And if you can't, well, okay. I don't know where the malfunction is, but you know there's a malfunction somewhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll appreciate this. So I, when I was living in California in 96, I moved up there to train in American Kenpo. And I was oh, wow. l- looking at other styles also. And I found, first time I had ever seen anything in like a phone, a phone book for, for young kids who don't remember what that is. <laughs> a, bo- uh, right, a book with right. phone numbers. But yeah, I found a uh, a ninjutsu school. So, of course, I called him. I'm like, ask him some questions. I'm like, oh, I'd like to come check it out. He goes, well, we don't allow spectators. Why? He's like, well the stuff we teach is extremely secretive and deadly. And we, we just can't ah, have ah, anyone walk. In. And he was dead, like dead pan dead. And I'm just trying not to laugh on the phone to him. And I'm just like, was I'm,
1: this like, was this like <laughs> a bougie, like a bougie con kind of guy or some other ninja guy?
0: I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, like I said, it was, this this was a 96. This was in the high desert in California and, in probably like July of 96. Holy, um, dude, uh, that's,
1: that, that's just like, wow. I yeah. mean, dude, there's so <laughs> many people back, I mean, the Jitsu in that part of Canada, I, I have no idea. I'm just, again, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud, right?
0: <laughs> I wish I would have like wrote down the info <laughs> or something. I'd almost love to get hold of the library out in Victorville, California and be like, I happen to have a yellow pages from 1996 just so I could find that school and you know, see what it was or something. But
1: we used to get the Boston phone books. They changed. and we get all the old ones and we get boxes and boxes of them before we had recycling. And we'd all duct tape them and we'd make these cheap ass pads out of them. Nice. And so in our, in our, I learned this in my, in my Okinawan karate school, but then I, I, I would just do it. So, Oh, I don't have pads to hit, so well, get phone books, duct tape them, you know, hockey tape them, whatever. Just tape them with something so they wouldn't break apart. And they're dense, and they're kind of like a pad, a dense pad. Yeah, sure. Boom, boom. So you punch and kick them. Yep. And they're portable. You know, put them in a backpack. and you, Oh, yeah. That's funny. But, you know, I, I was showing, I, you know, I've had some MMA guys, you know, bring me out to their school saying, hey, let's look at the differences in looking at traditional throwing compared to, like, you know, MMA throwing. Because a lot of guys don't throw; they just trip, and then they, or you know, or they do a very, very abbreviated hip throw. Right. To get they just want you on the ground, and I'm like, "Well, <sighs> watch out!" Why? You know, so of course I pick on the biggest guy. I go try to run me over. What? Try to run me over like a bull. And he comes, and I boom, throw him right in his head. And they were like, "Jesus!" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, the faster you come at me, that's all going in the throw. I'm not going to lose any momentum. I'm going to use you to throw you." And they were like, "Whoa!" I go, "So watch out. You get a shiyan on the ring with you. He's going to pick you up and dump you on your head." Huh. He ain't dumping you on your ass and jump on you and, you know, mount you. We're, we're throwing you on your head nice. or your upper neck. Why? I want to crank you and then I'm going to kick you. You know, you're on the ground. I'm going to stomp your ass. I don't want to go to the ground because I'm, I'm, we don't go to the ground in Shwaii. Dude, we hold on to them. So we throw you. And if, if we don't like you, we hold on to you. Or we pull, we rip the opposite way, pull your fucking arm out. And people go, why? I go, yeah, dude, there's all kinds of ways you can really make it worse. Throw somebody fast. In other words, you throw them so fast they can't, they can't break fall and they hit the ground flat at speed. Yeah. and it breaks it breaks dude and they break stuff or they die because dude you smash their head you know you throw them on their head boom game over mm-hmm. i'm not saying to go throw people on their heads not what we're talking about i'm just yeah. saying some arts traditionally the theory was in Shui, you threw people on their head yeah. now of course in a competition you throw them in a nice arc you know big arc so that they can break fall but in combat you're throwing them right, right where your feet are right you're turning you know, boom then they go north south really violently and they break People understand it's not just about throwing people; it's about violently torquing their body in a tight space. You can you can break them. Yeah, it's like uh, bone breaking. People are like what? I'm like, oh, dude, dude. Again, depending on if you're out doing a technique medium or if you're really up close to somebody, it changes the way the techniques. You know what happens to them. Mm-hmm. People are like, really? I'm like, oh yeah, dude. Don't you don't you like what if stuff? We want to stuff all the time. Wait, what if this? What if that? What if I'm not wearing my gi and I'm wearing tight jeans? Can I kick above the waist? Nope. Well, you better you better learn how to kick people from the waist down, then really well. Or why do you wear a gi? Why don't you train in your street clothes? Why don't you train in what you wear, dude? I wear cook pants. They don't have a gusset, but they're black. You know, big. They're fat pants, basically. They got elastic waist. Ooh, but that's what I wear for uniform. I wear scrub tops. You know, mm. people are like, why don't you have a uniform? Why don't you have a red belt? I'm like, you really want me to wear red? red what? I have red belts from my c lot teacher. You know, because. A few years ago, uh, about 2015, I got a phone call, and it's like, "Hey, this is Matt Fury," and I'm like, "Matt Fury, Matt Fury, the you know the, the the wrestling guy, you know the grappling guy, the info marketer." Yep, same guy. He got a line. He wanted to learn about Iron Palm, dude. He'd seen Iron Palm, and he was like, "I wonder if there's anybody in the area." And a friend of his who knew me was like, "Oh, you got to talk to Dale." And so I met Matt Fury. Dude, we've been training partners ever since. Nice. And it's great to have somebody. And training partners are invaluable, dude. It's 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 great to not only train with somebody, but to have somebody you can talk to, like this, you know, where you're talking to somebody who understands. Because usually we don't have people that understand. Yeah. Why do you wear white pajamas? Why do you wear black silk? Why do you dance around at tournaments? You know. And oh God, my dad. He didn't understand the kung fu guys at all. <laughs> he would look at the crowd of people. You know, yeah, you know, you know, kick, punch, chop. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But he goes, What the hell are those guys wearing the silk with the with the limp wrists and stuff? Because he saw all the mantis people and they would make, you know, they would they'd make the mantis the, the hooks, but you know, their hands are going up and down. And he's like, What's what's up with that? It's like dad, shh, you know. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You're gonna get in trouble. They're gonna come kill us, you know? Like, Jesus, we're we're in the turn we're at the tournament. He's talking he's talking loud. You know, the comfy people are looking at him. And one of the teachers who's a friend of mine came over and said, Hey, Mr. Dugas, and he goes, Oh, hey, John. And he explained to my dad why they kind of did that with their hands. He goes, Oh, okay. Nice. You know, my dad still said, I still think they're limp-wristed idiots, you know. <laughs> Jesus, Dad, you're going to get me killed. Shut up. <laughs> you know, because we used to go to these tournaments. You, you've, you've been to some big tournaments. And you were oh, younger. yeah. Oh, my God. There'd be like three, 400 kids. Yep. You know, about 200 adults. There's like 1,000 people competing. You got 3,000 people in the stands. It's a whole gymnasium full of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to have huge tournaments up. We had the crane tournaments, the karate referees, the New England people. Every state had huge tournaments, bro. Yeah, like every weekend, you could go to a tournament. You know, like we we'd have tournaments in Mass. You go up to Maine. You go up to New Hampshire. Go to Vermont. Go to Connecticut. Go to Rhode Island. And if you wanted to go to New York, you know Albany's only about three hours away from Boston. So we were pretty much we could go. We had a lot of that kind of inner inner New England thing, which was cool. But I, I wasn't a huge competitor. I mean, we we did because we wanted to. It wasn't yeah. like our sensei made us. That's cool. And, dude, I usually zone out. I'd go into my forum, zone out, and I'd win first place. And I'm like, oh, my God, I did a horrible job. And i won what? (laughs) Because I I just got into that because you're in front of people. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this is a little intimidating. Yeah, you got 3,000 people looking at your stupid butt. (laughs) Oh, hey. And so, you know, you get into that. They talk about it. They talk about the nomali, the machine. You know, you, you get in the zone. I got in the zone, dude, did my stuff. And then they liked it so much. I won. I won a trophy. Hey. That's cool. You know, I gave my old man the trophies, you know, make him proud.
0: Nice. My one and only tournament I ever entered, the one I was forced to enter when I was an orange belt in 1992. I actually got my headgear kicked off <laughs> in a oh, sparring gosh. match. And I remember I, I, from across the gym, I could hear my mom up in the stands.
1: <gasps> yeah. It's <laughs> like the, the intake of breath.
0: Yep, And my first thought was, mom, don't come down here.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude. That was
0: like 18 years old. I mean, it was, you know, freshman in college and stuff. And yeah. yeah,
1: Backspin to the head and boom. Oh, yeah. People talk about, they say, well, okay, you're a martial art guy, right? Yeah. They go, you've you've trained for a long time. I'm like, I've been training for 46 years. I've been training since I, dude, I've been training since I was a kid. Long time. And they're like, well, what have you learned? I'm like, I've learned a lot. I've learned much. I've learned how to move the human body. Oh, yeah people like what was the hardest thing to learn i'm like uh how not to hurt people how to walk away why oh dude get hot you know you never fight hot Mm -hmm. people always say well what's the what's the first rule of martial arts don't fight when you're angry don't get angry don't get emotional why you're you're gonna lose every time why because somebody who's cool calm and collected is gonna out. they're gonna help you because you're you're hot and people always laugh oh did you take dad to see the crowdy kid movie worst thing in the world to do I used to get out of chores because I had to go to demo team practice. You know, I had to go this, that, you know, martial art. Mm -hmm. And then my dad, we go to see the karate kid. He's watching, you know, the kid paint the fence, you know, wash the wax, the cars. I'm like, He goes. You can do all that work that you're getting out of it. It's training. And I'm like, and I'm like, but demo team, demo team, dude. My dad called my sensei an ass. Comes in and goes. Your sensei said it's okay. It's real training. Crap. I I was uh, crap. You know, I get my my sensei threw me under the bus. You know. I
2: love your dad. It's okay. We
1: We, we don't need him for demo team all the time. Here, he could do some you know yard work, house work, paint the house. Oh man, the old man was like,
2: paint the house, yeah. (laughs)
1: That's Jeez, awesome. Jeez. <laughs> you know, he's still alive. My parents are still alive. I talk to yeah. him every day. And you know, it's so cool. <laughs> so every now and then he'll make, you know, I'll walk by, and he'll go, whoa, he makes like a Bruce sign. You know, Jesus, dad. My brother. Too. High five
0: your dad for me and tell him that was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: It's, I got, you know, one day I'll tell you a story. Well, my brother used to yell at me because I'd be out in the backyard doing something. And I wasn't living at the house. My dad's in the pool. We had a pool at the house where we grew up. He's in a pool. He's, he's in like a, a chair, you know, one of those floaty chairs. Yep. He's just sitting in the pool. And I'm out back doing this t- technique where you're whipping your hands out to the side. It's kind of a crane technique, but it's more of you're just trying to whap somebody who's beside you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I always told my brother, if I'm out in that corner of the yard, you see me doing something, leave me alone, you jackass. Don't do the, oh, I'm going to be your brother and give you crap kind of thing. Well, he sees me. He opens the window and goes, hey. If you flap harder, you might get off the ground a little quicker. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So he comes out, he's walking by, he's trying to get in the pool. And as I'm walking by, I do that technique to him. And I, I whap him with my arm and my hand in, in his back, like right under his shoulder blades, right like oh. where his diaphragm is in the front, but in the back. Yep. And I hit him, Thwack, dude, he couldn't breathe, he couldn't talk. He's like, oh, oh, oh. he's looking at my dad. My dad looks at me and goes, Payback's a bitch, huh? <laughs> Told you not to bother me. He's training. Hey, he he, he just he showed you what it's for. and He, he was trying to, uh, I had to turn him around. I punched him in the stomach and slapped him in the face and it released. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. I go, yeah, dude, don't bother me. I told you not to bother me. You want to bother me? That's what happens. Nice. It's not mystical or anything. It's just, you can you can do things. If you know where to hit people, mm-hmm. you can cause them to have these sensations of, oh my God, what what did you do to me? Nothing. I just rest your breath for a minute. It'll come back. Awesome. you know You're going to freak out because you think you can't breathe. You yeah. just cause the diaphragm to spasm. That's all it is, just spasm because you put too much energy into that muscle yeah. and the muscles, the muscle is reactive. Uh, it's just, you know, people are like really I'm like, oh, dude, some of the stuff is very interesting. You don't have to hit people like the truck sometimes. Where are you hitting? How are you hitting with what? I tell people, go back to the old boxing manuals, dude, learn how to, learn how to, you know, learn how to hit a heavy bag. Yeah. That's the best way to learn how to punch somebody. Not a makiwara, you know, not an iron palm bag. Those are training tools. Once you learn how to punch, then you go and you train that damn tool. Pardon my French. You train that tool to be the most optimal tool you have in your toolbox. Yeah. So don't you want to have the the world's strongest hands, the world's strongest shins, the world's strongest forearms, the world's strongest shoulders? I mean, that's what I want. Then again, that's a good question is why, you know, why, why? Why did people get into the training? Usually it's self-defense. Usually people get picked on, you know? Yep. And they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with that. Or people just want to, they, they get bored. They want something that's totally different. Right. And yeah, getting, you know, like for me, a few years ago, I, I hit a rut. And, you know, my, my training partner, my Fury, was like, hey, you should never get into a rut. You should always seek out instruction from something brand new. So in other words, when you hit a plateau, find something new because you can learn it and master it, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you get out of that rut. You get out of that rut because you're learning something new. It's, it's neurogenic. It's going to build more things in your brain. Right. People want to go, well, cursive handwriting, practice cursive handwriting. Why do you think masters in the past practice calligraphy? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just to learn the calligraphy. There is a connection between the hand and the brain. And if you put something in your hand and move it around while you're watching it, dude, there's something about it, it makes brain cells. It's neurogenic. You know, hands and feet. When you're on your hands and feet, if you're holding something in your hands or you're opening or closing your hands and you're pumping your feet, it's neurogenic too. Very interesting. Yeah. Very you can build brain cells by moving your hands and feet. You're going to build brain cells. And people go, what? I go, interesting. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned 40, 46 years in martial arts. So in all those years, is there one philosophy you've learned that rises to the top of your list? Oh, God.
1: Block soft hit hard. <laughs> <laughs> I like When that. you have to. When yeah. you have to. But again, be a mirror. In other words, be a mirror. You know, somebody's, you know, you're happy, they're happy. They're sad, you're sad. You know, they're throwing kicks and punches. Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to, it's it's not personal, it's business. Yeah. You know, so I tell people, it, be like a mirror, dude. Don't get mad. It's business. It's not personal. If it gets personal, then you, you, then it make, you make it your business to get out of there. You know, get out of there. Why? Because right. you're going to, something's going to happen. You're either going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else because you're going to be angry and you're going to do something that you're going to pay for. Right. Not every situation is a self-defense situation where you're going to uh, have to unalive somebody. Right. That's no, no. that's not what we talk about. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, you guys want to unalive people. What? No, that's the last thing we want to do. <laughs> and we usually try to deescalate. Think of it like a set of stairs. Somebody wants, you know, they want to ramp it up to a fight. I'm going to try to, ramp, you know, hey, let's go back. You know, No, hey, sorry. Yep. First thing I do, I, I was a bouncer for years. First thing I do is, hey, what's going on? What's, what's the problem? And people would tell you, and you're like, oh, okay. And my reaction was, hey, you want a drink? (laughs) And nine times out of ten, the drunk guy goes, okay. And I get him a beer, and there's no more problem. Nice. And he's sitting there next to me at the bar, so I can watch him. And I just made a new friend. There you go. When women, when when I had trouble with women at bars, it was uh, utter chaos and violence, and they wanted to kill everybody. (laughs) And I try to buy him a drink, they throw it in my face, you know, break the bottle over my head. Oh yeah, dude, women, (laughs) drunk women again. People are like, you're a misogynist. No, I'm not. I just, I've had more trouble with damn women than guys, and I don't know why. <laughs> again, I, I, I would say, hey, what's the problem? Guy yells, screams, something's wrong. Hey, you want a beer? Really? Yeah, dude, I'll get you a beer. Free. I love you. Okay, <laughs> cool. What's wrong with that? Nothing. You know, again, the, w- when you anger a female, like, look at nature, dude. Sometimes the female of the species is the bigger, meaner one. And people, what are you talking about? Bears? Female bears are bigger, usually. Usually. Look at Spiders. The female is the huge, nasty, scary one, and the male is this tiny little, tiny little ditty-bitty spider is the male. <laughs> the big, scary tarantula? Yeah, that's a female. Watch out. She's going to get mad, dude. Bite your face off.
0: Black widow.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. Tiny little thing that can kill you. You know, again, hard to, hard to get bit by because they're so small, but the possibility exists. Yeah.
0: Cool. So I have some fun questions to wrap up the interview. Sure, please, now, please, please, please. So, Let's have it. Let's so have it. So this one doesn't have to be four. I've had as few as two and as many as eight. So it's kind of up to you, but just what? give like three, four five names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts.
1: Oh my God. Like personal, not Bruce Lee. Everybody's like, why aren't you going to put dead Bruce Lee's dead, buried Ron? Let him stay there. He's not what he claims to be, but that's, that's again, a whole other, but I'd put Ed Parker. I put, I put Ed Parker up there. Nice. Uh, I'd put Ed Parker. I would put, um, Oh God, this is, Jeez, this is kind of hard. I mean, do they have to be alive or do they have to be deceased?
0: Honestly, uh, a lot of people have picked Bruce Lee. People have picked um, right.
1: Kano. I'd put people. So I put yeah. I'm going to put Parker. Parker. Kano. Funakoshi. Nice. Gracie. There you go. There you go. He started. You know. He started. all You know. I mean, the, the Gracies. You can say the Gracies. I mean, Wally J. You got to put Wally J. up there, bro.
0: Nice. I don't think anyone's ever put Wally J. That's actually surprising. Yeah,
1: Wally. Because wow. Wally, you know, Wally studied with Okazaki Sensei, and, you know, and other other traditional people before he got into his stuff, and yep. he he trained a lot of kung fu too. Yeah, I think he got a lot of the concept of his of his you know his little manipulations from from Chin. you know from Chinese grappling, but I'm never going to prove it. They're all dead. You know, and now his son Leon, he goes around doing that no touch knockout stuff. Oh, jeez, please, yeah. <laughs> come on! Dude, your dad was Wally Jay for freak's sake. You know, you could tie you over a pretzel. You know, your mother was an incredible practitioner. You Used to throw your dad around in demos, man. Mm-hmm. And you're doing no touch knockouts. Oh, come on! But well, again, I'm not. I'm not going to judge you that hard. Why? Because dude, Leon Jay's got a decent background. If you want to do that stuff, go ahead. I know he can wrap you up and, and take care of you if he has to. Right. But I hope he doesn't try any, you know, no touch knockout thinking, you know, yeah, it's going to work. No, do your jiu-jitsu, dude. You got, you got like really good jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Play your strengths, you know, what? make sure that whatever your faults are, or you know, minimized and so that your strengths are maximized, right? Right. But yeah, that would be, that would be my list, dude. That's a great list, man. I like it. If some people hate Nakoshi. Oh God, some people hate him. Uh, one of the
0: first martial arts books I ever read was his.
1: Right. Oh. But he brought it to mainland Japan, dude. He yeah. was one of the first guys. And then after him came, you know, Chojin, you know, Miyagi Chojin went over and different people. But he was the first one because he lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. And people forget he was Okinawan. Yeah. You know, you look at him, you look at him, dude. You look at the Okinawans at the time, you look at the Japanese, they didn't look the same. Why? Because they weren't the same, bro. Right. They're more homogenized now after the war, but they're, they're a different culture. They're Aboriginal. They're old, dude. They're like the Ainu, you know, like the, the ryukyu people and the Ainu are related distantly. I lived up north in Idiwate in Japan. And so I went to Hokkaido a bunch and I met some Ainu ancestors and they looked at me and they said, You kinda of look like us and I'm like, funny. I got Indian in me. And the Indian dude and First Nation Canada, Canadian First Nation, dude, they all came over from Asia way back when, when they had, you know, a land connection. Mm-hmm. But then they developed into you know into Indians, not Asians. Right. But then you look at the Inuit, you look at the Eskimo and the Inuit and they still have Asian features and you're like, What the heck? Yeah, dude, that they're they're living proof of they came over. Nice.
0: All right, how about, now you can't pick your own, a favorite martial arts book?
1: Ooh, of yeah, no, I'm not going to pick my own favorite martial arts book. <laughs> Some
0: people have tried to. That's why I had to start saying, please don't pick your own. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> just to on. Be safe.
1: That's, just self, that's just shameless self-promotion. I mean, come on, <laughs> that goes way beyond. But no, I wouldn't say that. But right now, I would say uh, Matt Fury's the, the Martial Art Book of Wrestling. You know, or the book of martial art wrestling yeah that was his first book it's really hard to get but it, it's a really great book
0: okay i'll have to add that one my, i don't think i have that one i'll have to add that one my yeah next.
1: it's like i said it's hard to find but if you can find an old one it, it's like i'm trying to I, of course i know matt personally and i'm like dude you gotta re, you gotta re-release that like it's, it's been a while yeah and he's done a much more you know he's he's done more grappling and, and other things and so he went over to china and he won a shuai you know he got third place in shuai jiao you know wow. world shuai yeah dude A white guy that's cool that's not easy to do. Yeah, you know? nice. yeah. Really, really great guy, dude. Really, really great guy. And now we train the seal out under under William Sanders. And that again, it came about because Matt told me, "Hey, mm-hmm. when you hit a rut, learn something brand new." Right. And I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to study with this man, so I reached out, and started studying, and here I am. Now I'm a you know I'm a certified instructor. You know, level one instructor. That's cool.
0: All right, this one, so you grew up in the 60s and 70s, I'm hoping you'll have an answer for this one. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? Did you ever get into video games at all?
1: Not really. No? Not okay. really. No, I never did, and uh, you know, I mean, Pong, Pong came out when I was like in middle school, Yeah, and you know, I've never had a gaming system, and a lot of people come up to my house, where's your gaming system? And I look at I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they go, oh my God, you have swords and knives everywhere. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's cool now i don't have video games i have the real deal yeah
0: that's 50 it's usually 50 So a lot of people don't have an answer right. for that one so right all right this one I, i'm you you might have already mentioned it we'll see do you have a favorite martial arts tv show
1: oh dude of course growing up with kung fu uh you know kung fu the legend continues I, oh,
0: nice i'm glad you actually not many people mentioned the sequel series <laughs> I, oh, I actually I know, liked I know,
1: it i actually yeah dude you know and uh yeah it's yeah
0: well, I found out one of one of my guests from like my first year, Sean Kanan. He was uh, Mike Barnes in Karate Kid Three. Yeah, yeah. He actually read for the part that Chris Potter got. He was actually one of the one one of the ones considered for that part.
1: What I heard, that's what I heard. I tried to get a, I tried to get an audition that you know it didn't work out, unfortunately. Nice, you know. And then years later, one of the guys I was, we had like a sparring match in front of this producer, and he looked at me. I was hairy, I had tattoos, and they're like, yeah, you kind of have, you know, you have to. You know, they wanted somebody who was like not marked up because then they could put him in any scene, put a wig on them, you know, make him a woman. Right. But when you're marked up, you can only do so much because that makes sense. Yeah. Well, now you can fucking. This is before we had all the special effects. So, yeah. And I had a fight with this guy, and we actually it turned into a real fight. Oh, jeez. Yeah. God. Anyway, so years later, I'm looking for a I'm looking for a hosting service for my website, and a friend of mine goes, "Yeah, these guys up in Canada do a really good job." Yada yeah, yada. Yeah, so I called him, and I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, "Dude, where the hell I've heard your voice." And we're talking on the phone. Finally, we 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 went to voice Facetime. We realized, oh my God, you're you're him. You're that guy from the audition. And he's laughing his ass off, and I'm laughing my ass off. That's awesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Of all the people we meet again, and you know, he's running this computer company now. And I, I'm you know I'm an acupuncturist. Yeah, uh, that's hilarious. It's funny, bro. This is how the world. I went to school with a guy named Derek Steele. Uh, he was my undergrad roommate, and he's very well known in the in the Japanese field. He worked for Stanley Prennan at Ike News, and mm-hmm. he's trained in daito Ryu and jodo and all a lot of the traditional japanese systems really really great guy mm-hmm. and so you know i have friends like that and other people where i just the, the connections i have i you know people call me and say hey do you know somebody who does this i'm like yeah actually i do here give them an introduction and say tell them i sent you people ask me what you know why don't you want to keep people as students i'm like oh i have no i have no desire to keep you as a student if you want to train with somebody else like you said before you know the, the weird ninja school yeah. You know, oh, you spectators. I didn't like spectators either. So when people I, – I did have a, a public school for a while in Boston in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was one of the few white people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's nice when people – yeah. Anyway, so teaching there was, was interesting because, you know, I had large group classes and things like that. You learn things. Yeah. You, know, you, learn, you learn things. You know, it's – group classes and now it's just different with you know it's it's better with one-on-one people we learn online i learn, I can show you things online and then for application you're gonna have to come see me right that's just the gist of it i can't teach you how to fight with it online right but i can show you everything up to that point that's cool they're taking in the technology so
0: yeah, yeah. technology is good all right how about a favorite martial arts movie Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, only one? Come on, man. Let's just ask you. That's, there's been <laughs> you so can, many. You can name a couple,
1: I guess. That's cool. <laughs> okay, so some of the bad ones I like are the Kill or Be series out of South Africa. Stanley Schmidt, he was a Shotokan nice. teacher down there. Uh-huh. And just the no plot, all crazy, low-budget low, low budget action. Oh, my God. They're the best horrible kung fu movies. Nice. Some of the better ones? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear, I can't even think. There's been so many. Of course, I'm a big Zatoichi fan. You know the blind swordsman. So I, I nice. love watching this blind this blind masseuse cut down bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was movies and a TV series. I've been watching a lot of um, Lone Wolf and Cub on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and look up uh, Samurai versus Ninja, yeah, or Ninja versus Samurai, there's two different channels. They show like these these uh, old Japanese what they call jirai-geki, which means like a period piece. Really, and so it's all samurai stuff. Samurai, ninja, you know, uh, shoguns, you know, yada yada. Mm-hmm. It's in Japanese. They have subtitles sometimes, but I, 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 watch them to practice my Japanese. Cause you know, That's I like cool. to keep that up. But now yeah, those, yeah. those are my favorite like movie. It's, you know, like, uh, you know, lone wolf and cub, you know, shogun assassin. It was called in America. That was probably yes. one of my favorite ones when I was younger. Nice. Probably the most bloodiest movie I'd ever seen too. I mean, dude, they must've had 55 gallon drums of that stuff coming out. Holy Lord. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Final question. This one doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a martial arts movie, just overall a favorite movie fight scene.
1: Favorite movie fight scene? Is there one that just stands out? Probably my, you know, not really a fight scene, but in The Crow with Brandon Lee, oh, and he's fighting nice. that he's fighting that he's fighting the the, the dude with dreads and the knives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think they call him Tintin, and Tin throwing everything at him. He's he's hitting it away, grabbing it. I'm like, oh, dude, that was creepy as f. Nice. When a man's walking at you, and no matter what you're throwing, he's just either grabbing it or taking bug, you know, it away. You're like, oh, this that's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Man, I don't think anyone's ever mentioned the guy. Some people have picked The Crow for their favorite movie. I don't think anyone, right? It's, been it's a good
1: movie. You know, frightening is all you know. Frightening, yeah. very dark. But dude, that that scene where he's just laughing maniacally and just walking towards the guy as the guy's throwing everything that he's got, yeah, and he still gets ganked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Br- Br- I'm such a huge f- fan of Brandon Lee. I just that was so sad. I think I was a yeah, soft, sophomore to, in college when he passed away.
1: He's like, dude, I, I ran into him because you know he was going to school in Boston. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. I ran into a lot of people in Boston because they went to Emerson. Emerson is an acting school, and he mm-hmm. was there. Yep. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Lee, you know, didn't say anything. You know, can I shake your hand? Yeah. it was in passing, dude. We're at a party. It's yeah. crowded. That's and pretty then pretty cool, later, though, I mean. And then, you know, he's he's dead, you know, after. Oh, man, that's sucks. Yeah. I never met his dad, but my teachers met him because he came to, to all the Weichi schools because he knew, he, he saw Weichi. He's like, wait a minute, why does it look like White Eyebrow? it you know, looks like White Eyebrow South Maness. Everybody looks our forums and says, that's not karate. I go, it is. It's just not karate, karate-sized karate. Right. It's more something that's from Southern Fujian. You know, it's, it's from Southern China. Not very long stances, very few forms, and, and lots of drills and conditioning because you got to get tough because you know you're going to have to hit, kick, punch, you know. People are going to do the same thing to you. Definitely. Best piece of advice my teacher ever gave me. One day I was doing something, I got frustrated. He said, hey, look, don't beat yourself up. And he goes, but at the same time, don't underestimate other people because there's always somebody bigger, meaner, stronger, faster, and more evil than you. So you, you know, you, you need to understand these things to to rectify the training. Right? You're like, wow, you know, dude, twelve years old—that's that, deep. Yeah, no, definitely. T- took me amazing. years. took me years to, f- you know, figure that out. Yeah, that and people cool. go, really? I go, yeah, because when you're a kid, you don't understand. And then you remember something, you know, triggers it. You remember, you're like, oh, my God, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Before
0: I let you go, is there anything sure. maybe I forgot to ask you about that we want to be sure to get out there?
1: Quick? No, bro, I think you talked about a little bit of, you know, where I come from, what I've mm-hmm. done, you know, what I'm doing now. And now I'm teaching C-Lot. I'm teaching the C-Lot from William Sanders. That's cool. The, it's The name is Pukulon Shimani Pusaka founder and Sanders. And it's a whole body martial art. I am now, I'm not into the stiff spine, anything anymore. Now, free form, free movement. Okay. Open that spine, open everything up. And it's helped me. You know, I've had cancer. I'm still dealing with cancer. I'm dealing, you know, with with some serious health things. Wow. And this stuff, yeah, dude, I was having very bad issues, very bad circulation issues. So the movement training, what they call the juru training, the forms training brought me back to life. So that's why I love Sealot so much. Why? Because it's helped me become, a, it's brought me back from having issues. I wasn't moving. I wasn't healthy enough to move. And now I'm moving. And now I'm doing great things. Yay. Yay. Cool. Well, I will
0: definitely put a, put a link for your website out there and send people your oh, way. Oh, please.
1: What can I do? I'm here to help guys. You know, I do online herbal consultations. So if you're interested in herbal medicine, I can do that over line. I can't. Of course, I can't do acupuncture online. That doesn't work. I'm not going to send you a box of needles and then show you where to put them. That's not how we do it. No, (laughs) no, that's not how that's not how a licensed acupuncturist is going to do it. (laughs) But I can send you a box of herbs or things and then tell you how many to take and then line them. You know, I can I can take care of you from a distance with herbal medicine. That is doable. So, and again, share my website, you know, if you want to, you can always, you can give them my phone number for anybody who wants it. It's 727-297-0194 and com. Cool. I've got a contact page. I'm here to help. So what can I do to help you get better, recover faster and to get stronger? I'm here. Nice. I like it.
0: Well, hey, I, this has been a blast, man. I I knew very little about you when I, when I reached out and I'm glad we got to do this. I mean, yeah, okay. definitely hope to meet you in person someday. I think we could have fun hanging out and just talking martial arts.
1: And same bro. Same. I have friends who I've, I've known them online ever since the online thing started and I've never met them but mm-hmm. I have these relationships with these people and then I meet them and it's like, we've never, you know, it, it, And of course it just, it's seamless because you know, the person, yeah. you know, and other people like, have you ever met him? No, It's the first time. Like, do you guys like know each other forever? Well, yeah, kind of.
0: Yeah. And that's what's, I mean, I have over a, uh, over a hundred and almost 160 guests I've interviewed now on the show. That's
1: wonderful, bro. I in mean, three
0: years. And I've probably met, I'd have to go through the whole list, but I probably met less than thirty of them.
1: Well, I'm here in Florida, so when you get when you get sick of the cold up there in Minnesota, my friend, you can come down and visit me in warm, sunny Florida. I have a hot tub and a pool, nice. a heated pool and a heated hot tub. Yeah, I might have to
0: convince my wife about that and come down for a visit. That'd be kind of yeah, fun. I and mean,
1: it's community, so I mean, you know, I tell people, hey, look, people don't go in when it's cold out, except me, because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> I'm the same. People aren't you cold? Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I'm from New England. It's fifty out. And I'm in the hot tub.
0: Yeah. Well, Dale, I just, seriously, thank you very much. This has been so much fun. Well, and, and thank you, I, I can't wait till the episode comes out. I think people are really going to enjoy this. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartists.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists and we'll see you next week.